Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church, an outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Thank God for the anointing. It travels through the airwaves. You know, the devil's called the prince of the power of the air. And he, he, he works through the air to spread negative things, to spread viruses. The devil likes to consider himself contagious. But I got news for you. If the devil is contagious, the Holy Spirit's contagious. Let the Holy Spirit get off on you. You know, I mean, I mean, the Apostle Paul, I mean, he had some handkerchiefs he carried around, you know. And the Bible says they would take handkerchiefs from Paul's body, probably his hands, that's part of his body, and they would lay it on sick people and people that had demons, and the sicknesses would go and the demons would leave. Somebody think, well, that's, that's, that sounds far-fetched. How could that be? Well, isn't it interesting that if we took a handkerchief and sneezed into it and handed it to you, what would you be afraid of? See, folks are afraid. Oh, they're going to catch something that's negative, something that's harmful, something that could cause a problem. Why can't you catch something that causes a blessing? Well, we can. It works the same way. When you look at it like that, then you realize, yeah, what Paul was carrying around, the handkerchiefs, aprons, and things that he was carrying around, when they took it from his body and laid it on the sick people, people that had demons, it drove it out. It set those people free. And when you look at it in the context of some kind of viral sickness, well, some kind of infirmity, we have no problem believing that. See, the world has been trained to believe the devil. They've been trained to believe negativity. That's why people, when things happen, they don't say things like, well, I'll be blessed. They say things like, I'll be damned. Why in the world would you say something like that? See? Well, that just makes me sick. You know, they see something, that just makes, you don't hear people saying, man, that just makes me healed. That just makes me healthy. Nobody, nobody talks about that. They all talk, that makes me sick. I'm freezing to death. I'm starving to death. You notice it's to death. It's not to life. It's not to life. You know, and then you think after they ate their meal, they'd say, man, I'm full to heaven. Right? You know, at least, when, when, when does the positive come in? See, we got to be completely reprogrammed from the way this world thinks. Because this world thinks in line with death. It flows with death. But you and I are now getting our minds renewed because we're alive. We're alive, alive, alive forevermore. Hallelujah. We're alive on the inside. That life is working on the outside as long as we're speaking it out, as long as we're believing in the life that is in us. You got to believe in it and you got to work it. You got to work it out. Work out that life. Speak it forth. Declare what you believe. You don't want to just keep it down in your heart and, and, and believe it's not going to do you any good down in your heart not going to do you any good in this life. You got to put it to work. Put it to work. That's why faith without works is, it's dead. It's just like all the dead people of this world, the dead things of this world, it's just as dead. But we're not to be dead. Right? Life. Life. So you have to have works added to your faith. And the first work is your words. Speaking. Speaking requires work, especially when you want to speak God's word. When you want to speak contrary to this world, it takes work. It's amazing how that is, isn't it? Because everything in this world, again, is pulling on your flesh to think and talk negative. And so for you to rise above that and think and talk positive, looks like it should be easy. It's just open your mouth and speak. But... For so many, it's difficult because you've got to press through this flesh against this current. There's a 
there's a current that's all around you that's pulling you in, the, in a negative direction. And that's why people think, well, what's wrong with me? Why is this so difficult? This, just, this should not be so hard. It should not be. Well, no, it shouldn't be if you weren't in a river that's, that was rushing in the complete opposite direction than the direction you want to go. But the truth is, you're in a river that is flowing in the opposite direction. It's actually a flood. It's a flood of ungodliness. There's a force that's pulling you in a direction that you do not want to go. And it is a daily push and work to get to go the direction God is calling you to go. So don't get frustrated with yourself. I don't get it. I just don't get why it's so difficult. Because you're in a world that's difficult. That's why he said, Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. But be a good cheer. Even when you're in tribulation. Even when you're dealing with negative G-forces. Even though you've got all this force pulling you in another direction. You've got all this adversity going on. And in the natural, it might not look like any adversity is going to look like, man, this should be easy. But it's there. It's there. It's in the air. It's in the world all around us. And we're in it. So we have to fight. We have to press. And we don't grow weary in well-doing. Because we know in whom we're pressing into. We're pressing into the Lord. We're pressing into the promises of God. We're pressing into eternal life. And we will always triumph. We'll always win if we never give up on pressing. Big mistake people make is as soon as they experience some victory, then they just throw out the paddles. And just say, praise God. And they just stop paddling. They stop going against the current. But you can't, you can never quit. You get a victory, go, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You don't just throw the paddles away and go, praise God. Everything's great now. I've arrived. Hallelujah. Are you rowing this morning? Put your hands out. Ready, sit. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, man. Boy, you get everybody doing that like that? This church gets to moving. Everybody in one accord like that. You should have seen that from my, from my angle. Hey, all, these, all these oars in the, in the water, man. All working together in one accord. Oh, think about that. Think what kind of ship we can drive through the water when we're all in one accord. Praising God together. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Row, row, row your boat. Intensely down the stream. Merrily, merrily, merrily. Life is but a, it's a dream. We're living the dream. Somebody say, I'm living the Jesus dream. Praise God forever. If you're rowing, rowing, rowing your boat. Don't just sit out there like you're on a raft with no oars. And you know everything. God's got it all covered. God just takes care of it. I just believe God takes care of everything for me. He just takes care of everything for me. And that's not faith, just sitting there and just putting it all off on God. Now you got to take hold of what God said, and you got to dig into it. You got to dig, you got to press into it. And again, you're speaking, you're declaring the word of God. You're fighting the good fight of faith. You're not letting up. You're not going to let go. You're not going to quit. You're not going to back down. And that's how things are going to work out for us. I said, that's how, they, that's how they, the church is going to advance. See, a lot of people that haven't been rowing, they just kind of look around and go, well, I don't know. I, I don't know well, why this, why that. I don't understand. You know, why aren't I further along? Why hasn't this happened yet? Well, that's why nothing's happening except you're probably going backwards. Because if you're not going forward, you're going backwards. You go back far enough, there's a waterfall back there. You don't want to hit that thing. It's called Niagara. You don't want to go to the waterfalls. So, but people, a lot of times, they just, they just, well, you know, I don't understand why this, why that. No, that's not our ad. We understand. You've got to fight. You've got to fight. You've got to fight. You've got to fight to take every square inch of, of, of territory for the kingdom of God. 
It is a fight. That's why he says fight the good fight of faith. Wage a good warfare. You've got to fight. You've got to dig in. You've got to fight for what's right. What's right doesn't come easy. You know what comes easy in this world? Weeds. Thorns. Poisonous things that nobody likes. Things that stick you and prick you. Right? And think of, you think about the landscape. If you want to grow something nice, you've got, you got to protect it from everything. You've got to protect it from bugs. You've got to protect it from deer, all kinds of animals. I mean, you've got, you got to protect that thing. You've got to till the ground. You've got a purpose to sow into the ground. I mean, it takes You've got to water it, make sure it's getting enough water. Nobody has to concern themselves with all the weeds out here. Nobody's sitting there going, man, we've got to get some water on those weeds. It's faith. The weeds just grow no matter what. The thorny stuff, they just grow. It could, be, it, could be, it could be like a desert out there. The stuff just keeps growing. It just keeps growing. It just gets nastier and nastier and nastier. See, how, see, the same way it is in the natural, that's exactly how it is spiritually. Negative things, things that will prick you, things that will be a problem to you, man, they just spring up. They just grow without any, any problem, without any, without any help. They need no assistance. But if you want something good that you can actually eat, it'll be nourishing and strengthening and a blessing to somebody, you've got to work hard at it. You've got to protect it. And even then, you're not guaranteed. You know, you see some of these harvests out there, you know. They get the thing, the corn comes up out of the ground. They've gotten so far, and the next thing you know, the rains aren't coming down, and, and they never get a full crop out of what they've sown. And a lot of it just ends up dying out there. You think after all that work, and, and, it, and they, still, they still risk coming up empty. You and I need the rain of heaven. We need to get our seed, the word of God, in the ground. We need to rain it with the presence of God. We need to, we need to work it. We need to get an irrigation system set up. We can't actually just wait around for the rain. You've got to make sure you've got an irrigation system set up in your, in your life. You got to keep it watered. How do you do that? Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Water, water your words with praise. Are you hearing me this morning? This is something we got to do. We got to work. We're farmers. We're construction workers. We're building. We're, we're endeavoring. We're soldiers in the army of God. We're fighting. We're warriors. It's not just going to happen. It's not going to happen. How many want to see God's kingdom advance? Now think about how, how horrible that would be if we were all in a big ship together. Everybody's got oars. You know, we're all working together. Moving through the water. And you look over there, and you got a few people just sitting there. And every once in a while, they grab their oar, and they go the opposite direction. I just don't know why it's taking so long. I just don't understand this. And they're actually going the opposite direction. And you're going, you're doing all this work. You look over there, and you see Charlie over there. He's going the other direction. I mean, how many people, would that, would that bother you? I mean, you, you put all this work, and you look over there, and Charlie's going the other direction with his mouth, with his attitude, with his actions. How many people would get pretty upset about that? Would you, would you just allow them to keep doing that? Or would you say, hey, hey, what's going on? What's up? What's wrong with you? You're going the wrong direction. Get on board with us. I'm just so tired. I just don't believe all this. I just, I'm sure. It's at times like that, you need to take that guy to, over there and, and, and teach him to walk the plank. You know about walking the plank? You put a plank out there, blindfold him too. And say, why don't you go ahead and just walk the plank? No, we wouldn't do that. We're going to help him. We're going to get the blindfold off, get him off the plank, get up, help him to do the right thing. Hey, eh, matey? Huh? Anybody with me this morning? Let's get everybody in a boat and let's get everybody working together. You need the people around you working. And you've got to make sure you're working. Make sure you're doing your part. So the kingdom of God, the church, is, de is dependent upon it. It doesn't just happen. Good things don't just happen. Blessings don't just happen. You know, people have that attitude in the world. Stuff just happens. Yes, stuff just happens. 
in the world. A lot of negative stuff will just happen. That's easy. Sit around, do nothing, and stuff will happen. But if you want the blessing to happen, if you want Jesus to happen, if you want God's kingdom to happen, if you want good things to happen, then you got to make it happen. Turn to somebody and say, let's make it happen. we got to make it happen. And a lot of times the devil's got more people working for him than God's got working for him. Devil's got more people in his army than God's got in his army. Why? Because there are more people that will cooperate with the devil than will cooperate with God. That's just how it is in this world. So you and I need to be very good, very skillful at cooperating with God because God needs every soldier he can get his hands on. He needs every soldier he can get his hands on. See, again, a lot of people think God can do whatever he wants to do. Jesus, he's king. He can do whatever he wants, whatever he wants to do it. But turn your Bibles to Mark, the sixth chapter. And notice even Jesus, while here on the earth, you know, he went around doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, the Bible says. Well, all those who came to him in faith, more specifically. More specifically. And we see that here in Mark, the sixth chapter. And in verse 4, it says, But Jesus said to them, this is those in his hometown of Nazareth, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now, he could do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Notice that. He could do no, verse 5 again, he could do no mighty work there. It didn't say he wouldn't, it said he couldn't. He couldn't do it. Well, God could do anything. Jesus could do anything. Well, here he couldn't do any, just everything or anything he wanted to do. He couldn't do mighty works there. He was limited in what he can do. Why? Well, because the Bible says he was without honor. They didn't honor him there. So where God is not honored, God can't work. He can't do much. He can't do many mighty works. It's not that he doesn't want to. It's that he's limited. He needs to be honored. He needs to be honored. If you want God to move on your behalf, you got to honor God. How do I honor God? Honor his word. Honor his commandments. Honor the Sabbath day. Honor his people. Be an honorable person towards God. Honor him. And that enables him, yeah, I said enables him, to do mighty. We enable God. But you can also hinder God, limit God, and keep God from being able to do the kind of things he wants to do. How many people know Jesus was there in Nazareth to do some mighty things? He was there wanting to do mighty things, but he could there do no mighty things. Because They did not honor him. And then he says in verse 6, he marveled because of their unbelief. See, being dishonorable and unbelieving, they go hand in hand. Hand in hand. And we live in a generation that's very dishonorable towards God. Very dishonorable towards God's word or God's way of doing things. Very contrary to God. And very unbelieving. We live in a... Wicked and perverse, unbelieving, faithless generation. That's what, that's what surrounds us. So guess what? God can't just do whatever he wants to do. But then I like what it says next in verse 6. It says, then he, Jesus, went about the villages in a circuit teaching. So he went out and began to teach. He saw that people, they did not understand. They did not honor God. They didn't respect God. They didn't believe. So Jesus just kept going around teaching. He just kept teaching the Word, teaching the Word, teaching the Word, trying to help get people's minds to think right. Because if you can think right, then you can believe right, be an honorable person, and allow God into your world to be able to do the kind of things God does. And He does mighty things. He does good things. 
How many people know not everything God does in our life is instantaneous? Most of the time it's not. Most of the time things are through a process. Through a process. Things have to get worked out through a process. The Bible says that we're to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. You think about our salvation, you think of all that Jesus accomplished for us. I mean, he delivered us from every evil thing. That's what that word salvation means, deliverance from every evil thing. Every evil thing. And yet you have to work that salvation out. It's not all just instantaneous. It's not just, man, we see it in the Word of God, we believe it, and that's it. No, we believe it, we see it, we believe it, and we work it out. We work it out. That's what we were talking about here earlier, about speaking it out, speaking the Word of God. That's where the work starts. Faith starts in your heart and in your mouth. You believe it and you speak it. But we work out that salvation. That's a process. That word salvation also means healing. Well, the very word healing denotes a process. It's a process. When somebody is dealing with some kind of sickness in their body, the Lord has promised us divine healing. So we thank God for medical science. We thank God for all the natural herbs and spices and things that you could take, uh, you know, that'll help you physically. But even without those things, divine healing, healing that comes through the power of God, is in itself, most of the time, progressive. It is a process. It isn't something that we see instantaneous all the time. Now, you can see instantaneous things in the kingdom of God. And we don't want to throw that out. Because you can get into a ditch on either side of the road where everything is instantaneous or it's not God. Why didn't it happen? I believed and it didn't change. Nothing happened. I don't see anything changed yet. Everything still looks the same. My physical condition still the same. My finances are still the same. This, that, and the other thing that I was in faith about, asked God about, it still hasn't changed. Must not be God's will. Must not be God's will. That's a ditch. If it's not instant, it's not God. But then you can come over, and this is what we have to watch out for, coming over to the other side where we understand that not everything's instant and that there's a, a progression many times. In most, in most things, it's a process. Faith is working through a process. We're getting better. Things are turning around. It starts, number one, on the inside in the spirit and works its way to the outside. Faith will start working in the unseen realm first and then move into the seen realm. And sometimes that's why it seems to be taking so long. But in actuality, things got started right away the moment you believed. But you just don't see the effects of your believing right away. It's a process. It's working its way to the outside, from the inside to the outside. How many of you know God is very interested in your insides? A lot of times we can be more focused on the outside, how we look, how we feel, how things appear, what we have, what we can put our hands on. That's many times what people are focusing on. They're not focused on spiritual things. They're not focused on character, integrity, they're not focused in on being weighty spiritually, growing up on the inside to be more like Jesus, to think more like Jesus, to be more heavenly minded than carnally minded. Most times people are more focused on outward things than those heavenly spiritual unseen things. And so that's why they get impatient. But we understand because we're spiritual people. What does that mean? We focus on spiritual things. We're, we're concerned about the insides. Yeah, we want our body to work right, but we want our spirit to be right. We don't just want our body to work right. We really care about our spirits working right. I mean, I really want to think right. I really want to believe right. I really want to live right. I want to do what's right in the sight of God. I want to be pleasing to Him 
in my heart. I want my motives to be right. I want when God looks at my insides, he sees pure, clean motives. He sees righteousness. He sees justice on the inside. I don't want to just have a lot of good works on the outside. And then on the inside is hypocrisy. There's falsehood. There's deception. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you wouldn't want anybody to know about. I don't want that on my insides. I want my insides to be pure and clean. And in reality, it's more important to me, and I know to most of you, how you look on the inside than how you look to people on the outside. Now, for the world, how you look on the outside is more important than the inside. But for you and I, we're very concerned about the inside. In fact, I, I, I want to look good on the inside, even if it costs me not looking that great on the outside to people because they misunderstand me. I'm not going to compromise the inside in order to look good on the outside. Why? Because I'm a spiritual person. You're a spiritual person. We're, we're concerned about spiritual things. We're growing up on the inside. So when it comes to faith, you and I are laying hold of the promises of God, not just to be blessed in, in the physical or in the natural, but you and I are looking to be blessed from the inside out. So we understand that's a process. That's a process. Just like when you sow a seed in the ground. It takes time before it comes up out of the ground. And depending on how deep you sowed the seed into the ground will determine how long it'll take for it to come up out of the ground before you can see it. And God wants us to go down deep in our believing. He wants us to, to believe from the depth of our heart. He wants us to have his word sown in the deep of us, in the very depth of us. We do not want to be superficial believers, right? Jesus talked about the, the seed of the word is sown. It's sown on different ground. He talked about seed that was sown on stony ground. In other words, it was very shallow. It was stony. It didn't have much depth of earth. And as a result of that, it sprang up really quick. But then it didn't last very long. But we don't want to be stony ground. We don't want to be superficial believers. We want to be deep believers. We want to have a depth to us. We want to go down deeper. And we want to get down into a place where there's no thorns, there's no weeds, there's nothing in there that's going to choke the word of God out of us. So, man, we're... We're, we're doing gardening work all the time. We're tearing up the negative stuff. We're judging sin. We're judging wrong thoughts, wrong motives. We're coming against all these things that, that are going on. We, even though we're, we're good on the outside, no, yeah, but I did it with the wrong motive. I did, no, that, was, that wasn't right. That wasn't faith. That wasn't love. I didn't do that with my eyes on God. No, that was this. That was, that was pride. That was fear. That was the arrogance. That was, no, we, we're judging our very motives. What does that mean? You're getting all the thorns out. You're getting all the weeds out. You're making your ground good ground, good soil, so that when you produce a harvest, it endures. It lasts. It doesn't just bless you in this life, but man, it blesses others, and it carries over even beyond this life. It crosses over into eternal life, and it's blessing people throughout heaven. Think about it. There's things you and I could do right now that'll still be blessing people in heaven a thousand years from now. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exciting. That's what we're interested in. So we're interested in going down deep, going down deep into the things of God and getting God's things deep on the inside of us. So that requires time. It's a process. So when we go through trials in life, notice what he says here in verse 2. My brethren, James 1, 2. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Happy to know patience is not a physical thing. Patience is a spiritual thing. Patience is a heart thing. Patience is a character thing. And so he says, you might be going through a trial, a physical trial. You're dealing with physical trials. They're not comfortable on your flesh. It's not God's will. God wants 
that thing resolved. He wants that thing fixed. He wants that thing working right. He doesn't want that thing in confusion and not working right and all messed up and causing you problems. He wants it straightened out. That's God's will. You say, well, if it's will, why hasn't it gotten straightened out yet? He says, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces. Every say produces. See, that's a process. That's a process. Produces patience. So through this process of pressing through the trial, believing God, something's happening to you. First, in the unseen. Patience is being developed. Patience is being developed. And patience is very important. Because notice what he says, verse 4. Let patience have its perfect work. I like to say it this way. Have its perfecting work. Have its perfecting work. Patience is perfecting you. The more you have to exercise patience and develop patience because you haven't seen the promise come to pass yet, the more you have to exercise patience, the more it's perfecting you. It's developing you on the inside. That's why it says count it all joy. Count it all joy. That you may be perfect. Now, that's more than just being healed. I mean, think about it. If you, if you had a choice, you get the instant healing right now. You get the instant money right now. You get the instant blessing right now. You get the instant. And that's what you get. Or you wait. You press, you fight, you continue to speak right, think right, do right in the midst of all the evil, all the bad things, all the pressure that's trying to take you in the wrong direction, knowing that in the end, you'll have the blessing, you'll have the money, you'll have the healing, but also you'll be perfect. Perfect. How people like to be perfect? Well, now nobody's perfect. We're just forgiven. Well, that's not scripture. That isn't even in the Proverbs. You know, some people quote things like it's, like it's the Proverbs of the Bible, you know. Yeah, nobody's perfect. We're just forgiven. I'm not, for, I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. Well, would you like to be? How would you like to have both? I'd like to have both. Why don't we stick around and get them both? Why don't we stick around and get both the healing, the money, the blessing, the answers to prayer in the physical, get the trial all cleaned up and fixed, get that all straightened out. Let's get that. And also, perfection. Just a perfect life. Just a perfect life. And you know, really, people need to understand that life really doesn't just consist in the abundance of things that you possess, but it's in what's going on inside you. Because you know you can have all the money, all the best friends, all the greatest things that this world has to offer and still be miserable on the inside. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out on a cruise ship right now, and man, they've got money. They're on their third cruise this year, and they are being eaten up on the inside. They're a nervous wreck. They're frustrated. They're mad at life. They have no answers. How many people believe there's people like that in the world? What good is it? What good is all the wealth, all the prosperity, all the good things of this world, even a nice peaceful atmosphere around you, if there's no peace within you? I mean, you can have peace all around you and be a nervous wreck on the inside. So we understand it is superficial to just reach for external things to be the thing that makes us happy in life. It will never make you happy in life. It will never fulfill you. 
These things can act as a band-aid to cover up a problem for a little while, make you feel good for a little while, but it doesn't get down and really satisfy. God wants you to be a satisfied person, a fulfilled person, and that's going to happen through him perfecting you, making you perfect. Everybody say perfect. Yeah, so that you think right. How many people think you can think right? How many people think that it's not good to be sitting in church thinking wrong? Huh? You know, just to be thinking evil thoughts. That'd be, that's a terrible thing. That's a terrible thing. To be contemplating terrible things, negative things, evil things. Having bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, all these kind of things. How do you think it's wrong to have that going on on the inside of you? Of course it is. Well, can we live free of that completely? Absolutely. If you can live free of it during church services, you can live free of it all day long. I mean, if you can be free for 10 minutes, you can be free permanently. Why, why, why not? When does it expire? When does freedom expire? When does thinking right expire? When does believing right expire? You can, only, you can only believe and act right for so long and then you have to act like a ding-dong? Huh? You have to go negative. You have to fall apart. You have to get bitter. You have to, you have, to have some unforgiveness once in a while. You can't stay unforgiving all the time. You can't, you can't stay forgiving all the time. You got to be resentful once in a while. I mean, you know, there's going to be bad things that are going to happen. No, if, if you don't have to be resentful in one situation, you don't have to ever be resentful. If you can walk in love in one situation, you can walk in love in two situations, three, four, and in all situations. You don't have to be controlled by the world around you. In other words, you can be controlled by you. You can be in control of your soul. You can be in control of your life. You can live a perfect life. You can live walking in love. Walking in peace. Walking in joy. Walking by faith and not by sight. You can do this 24-7. Hallelujah. So this is what you and I are reaching for. So when trials and tests drag out, when it seems like it's just taking so long. We don't get mad. We get counted on joy. Counted on joy. Why? Because we're not just focused on the external things. We're not superficial people. We are focused on the heart, our spirit, the real us, the real us. Because these bodies, how many people know, we're going to put these off one day. It's going to turn back to dust, but you and I live forever. So who you are is the most important thing. Not what you, what you have is not the most important thing. What's going on in your life is not the most important thing. It's what's going out of your heart. That's the most important thing. Not what's going on around you. What's going out of you? What's going on in you? That's the most important thing. That's where our focus is. So therefore, we are willing to press through. And some of you have developed wonderful patience. I mean, you just hardly get rattled anymore. Some of your stuff goes on, stuff that used to really rattle you, it just doesn't even rattle you anymore. Have you noticed that about yourself? Is anybody? No, you're growing up. You're becoming perfect. You're not getting rattled. You're not getting frustrated, which means what? You're not going to fall apart, which means you're going to keep it together, which means you're going to be able to stay in your place, not get out of the purpose and plan of God for your life. You're going to be able to stay in your place and continue to be fruitful and carry out God's mission for your life. Man, that's awesome. But you see, people have gotten so much more settled, so much more settled, so much more settled. What is that worth? Man, that's worth everything. That's worth everything. It's worth the weight. It's worth the pressing. It's worth the fighting. It's worth it. It's worth the time that it takes. You are worth it. You're worth it. You're worth the time that it takes to be perfect. And when you're perfect, oh man, you're complete, lacking nothing. Isn't that what he says? Notice again, verse, uh, verse 4. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect 
and complete. Lacking? Zilch. Nothing. How would you like to live a life of no lack? This is how we get there. It starts on the inside. Starts on the inside, and it's working its way to the outside. A life of no lack. It starts on the inside. So lots of folks look, they look at the lack on the outside, and they want the lack on the outside to change. Don't focus on the outside changing. Focus on the inside. Focus on the inside changing. No lack. No lack in our heart. No lack of love. No lack of peace. No lack of joy. No lack of strength. No lack of wisdom. Just no lack. Everybody say no lack. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. Shall not want. Or lack. Shall not lack. That's God's will for your life. Praise God. So we're pressing towards that. We're pressing towards that. So we understand faith is a process. Faith is a process. Yet, we got to watch. Because we can get so settled into that. We can get so good at that and say, praise God, man, I'm in for the long haul. I don't care come hell or high water. I don't care how long it takes. It don't matter. I ain't backing down. I'm not quitting. I've got a smile on my face. I got joy in my shout. I know everything's going to just work out. I'm not worried about it. I'm not afraid. I'm getting better on the inside as I'm going through this mess. And we can get really good at that, really good at that, so that we no longer expect instantaneous things. We no longer expect miracles, the miraculous. Healing is a process, but miracles are instant. We don't want to throw away the day of miracles and make everything a process. And I just believe God wants us, yes, to understand. Some of you are going through some things. It's a process. Stay patient. You're being perfected. Stay in the boat. Keep speaking the word. Maybe you aren't speaking like you, like you should be. Maybe it's 50-50 or 75-25. 75 and 25% by his stripes I'm healed. No weapon formed against me will prosper. But well, we don't want just 75-25. We don't want 50-50. Flesh, spirit, flesh, spirit, flesh, spirit, flesh, spirit. That's called double-mindedness. We don't want that, right? So you see, we're in the patient process, we're getting better and better and getting quicker and quicker. Getting quicker what? Quicker speaking the right thing, doing the right thing, responding the right way, rather than just getting fatigued and irritated and frustrated and start cursing and kicking the cat. If you don't have a cat, you find your neighbor's cat. It's, Skin the thing, you know, just mad, just frustrated. You know, no, 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 no. You're getting better. You're getting better. You're not getting bitter. You're getting better. You're speaking the word of God, speaking the word of God. So, you know, look at your situation and say, how well have I been speaking? I mean, consistently. How, how am I talking? How am I doing on the inside? Because I want the outside to change here. I want this outside to change, man. What do I need to do? I need to step up my game. In my praise and worship. In my intake of the word of faith. I got to feed my faith. I got to, you know, certain things you got to do to feed your faith. Strengthen yourself on the inside. Don't just focus on the outside. Continue to strengthen yourself on the inside. That's key to getting the outside turned around. All right? So some of you could probably pick up the pace and even move that along a little quicker. But right on the other, right on the, right on the other hand, as we're looking at the process of deliverance and healing, the process of salvation, our salvation being worked out, we don't want to forget that our God is a God of miracles. And there's a time to expect immediate, instantaneous results. We need immediate, instantaneous results sometimes. We need miracles. You need them both. How many people know Jesus walked in them both? How many people know Jesus, most of his life, when he needed to get somewhere by water, he took a boat? Yeah, he did. I got news for you. Jesus didn't just, 
Whenever he wanted to go somewhere by water, he walked. We only got one account of Jesus walking on the water. Now, see, a lot of times people look, look at that, that miracle that he did. He stepped out, walked on the water. And we look and we think, man, you know, Jesus, he walked on the water. Then we think he walked on the water all the time. If he wanted to go somewhere, he'd just walk on the water, you know. He goes over his, his, the neighbor's house. They have a pool. And he needs to go to the, he needs to go, you know, to the kitchen. And so the kitchen, uh, the house is on the other side of the pool. He just walked across the pool. He, why would Jesus walk around the pool if, if he could just walk on the water to the kitchen? No, I, I'm sure Jesus would walk around the pool. See, he didn't, he didn't walk on the water all the time. I said he didn't walk on the water all the time. How many people know Jesus, when he ate, he usually ate things, he ate things that were prepared for him. You know, somebody went and they caught it or they grew it, and then they had to chop it up, and they had to clean it up, and they had to cook it, and they had to prepare the thing, and it took hours of work, and they fixed it all up for him, and, and that's what he would eat. I don't know how much cooking Jesus did for himself, but I'm sure his disciples, they were getting paid very well, and I'm sure they took care of him. They've brought him some nice meals, but they were, they were hand-prepared meals. And they didn't even have microwaves back there. That's almost miraculous. That borderlines the miracle. But anyway. But they'd prepare that food for him. They'd bring that food to him. See? But then one day, Jesus multiplied some bread and fishes and fed thousands of people. There's two accounts of that where he did that twice. I got to say, Jesus didn't do that all the time. Jesus didn't get up in the morning, you know. And he's just out somewhere and he just, he just think, you know, I'm going to turn these stones to bread. The devil tried to get him to do that, but he did, that's not how he worked. Jesus didn't turn stone to bread. Jesus didn't just, just, just do things and it instantaneously happened. He didn't just sit there and say, man, I'm in the mood for a Milky Way. Because you're just not the same when you're, when you're hungry. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't do that. Did he? No, no, no. See, miracles happen. But how many know we all love the miracles of Jesus? We all love the miracles of Jesus. Now, Jesus, he was in, in, a, in a storm. And the boat was filling with water. It was a nasty storm. And how did Jesus get through that storm? Well, his intention was to sleep his way through it. But after his disciples woke him up and they were in a panic... He just said what? Peace, be still, and he calmed the storm. He just shut it down. But right on the other side, you see Paul the Apostle, he's out in the same kind of a storm. And he's out there for days, the boat's filling with water. I mean, their lives are threatened. An angel finally comes, appears to Paul, and says to him, it's all right, Paul, God has granted you your life and the life of those on this ship. Nobody's going to perish but you're going to run aground. And there's some things that are going to happen. The ship's going to be destroyed, but you're all going to survive. It's like you look at that and say, no, hit a second angel before you leave. You're an angel. Stop the storm. Pick the boat up. Put us on ground. What are you saying? We're going to hit rocks, and the ship's going to be destroyed, and we're going to have to swim to land. Why do we have to go through it this way? It's a process. It's a trial and test. One trial and test, we say, peace, it's done. Like that. Then there's this other one over here, and we're going to have to endure it, press through it, and swim to shore. But you see, friend, we need them both. We don't want just to have to go through everything, go through every storm, when we can say peace to some storms, when we can have an instant calm and be out of the trial instantly. God wants to do both. We're going to see both. In this church, in these last days, we need to see both. The world needs to see the miracle working power of God. But it's going to come forth from a people of patience, a people of character, a people that know how to press through the storms of life. You understand what I'm saying? We're not living by instantaneous things. We're living by faith and patience in the progressive work of God because we are a people that are growing in the character and nature of God. We're becoming more like Jesus on the inside. 
on the inside. If we weren't becoming more like Jesus on the inside and God just enabled us to just do miracles like Jesus all the time, we'd be a bunch of cocky hotshots. We would ju- we'd have no character, but man, we can do instantaneous things. See, that would not be good. That would not be good. Why? Because we'd do a miracle and then we'd completely misrepresent God by not walking in love. We'd be walking over here in some kind of stupid thing, and then we'd do a miracle, and people go, oh. Kind of reminds me of Samson. How many remember Samson in the book of Judges, right? Here's Samson, and I mean, power of God comes on him, instantaneous miracles, incredible things happen. I mean, da-da-da, but the guy had no character. Had no character. He would go from sin to doing a miracle. The end of that was he needed to be judged, and he was taken out, taken out early before his time because of that. See, we, we don't want to be those kind of people. So we want the miracles of Jesus, but we want the character of Jesus too. So, so we got to have them both. So that's what God is grooming us in. And I just believe we've been over in a place of pressing and pressing and pressing and growing and growing and growing. We've gotten good at that, but now we got to watch about no longer expecting the miraculous, the instantaneous Because God is right now ready to revive the miraculous. He is right now ready to uh, revive the instantaneous. That's what God is looking to revive in our faith so that we have both. Now, we don't want to watch. We got to watch about when you start seeing instantaneous things that now we just get away from the developing of faith and pressing through where we can't be patient anymore and wait for the process to be completed. You got to watch. You get so in the instantaneous, now everything's instantaneous, and we don't know how to wait any longer. No, we know how to wait, and we know how to work miracles. Can you say amen? Oh, hallelujah. It's time for both. It's time for both. Faith, the process, and faith for the instantaneous. Thank God for the healings, and thank God for the miracles. We're going to see them both. Can you say amen? Praise God. Let's stand on our feet. Let's thank God for the truth this morning, helping us. Thank you for the truth. Thank you. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website, again, is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.